Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to the Psych Minded Podcast. I'm your host, James Anthony, and for anyone who is new, welcome to the podcast. It's really nice to have you here, and I hope that you take something away from this podcast episode, and more particularly that you're able to, I mean, relate, you know, and and kind of understand what it is that we're getting at for this episode. Um, And for anyone who is a returning listener, hello again, and thank you so much for coming again to this episode and supporting me continuously. (laughs) Um, So for today, we are going to be covering what it is about short-term working and long-term memory. That is what it is. Like, what is that? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure a lot of people are concerned on like how it is that there is a difference in different memory systems but there is a big difference in the memory systems and their capabilities and the processes and overall our understanding of each of them so i have various papers that i had to write about each of these particular working systems or not working systems, memory systems, um, within my course time when i was doing the course for memory um And they were all very, like, detailed on this idea of um, basically timing and not just that, but, like, an exposure to specific stimuli and what it is that you're exposed to in in general um, and its connection to you. And basically, we're going to get into a whole big chunk of this um, in each part because I want to cover each working or sorry not working each memory system that we're going to be talking about um in its own entirety each moment so basically i'm going to do short term first then i'm going to work and talk about working memory and then i'm going to talk about long-term memory and then at the very end we're going to tie everything together by talking about how each memory system actually works with one another um or essentially works um you know hand in hand with one another not like with directly like they share the same processes it's more that uh they can also um essentially work hand in hand kind of like uh bonnie and clyde if you think about like you know a duo that's some how people would look at this uh concept of the memory systems playing with you not playing but working with one another um So without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into the first segment of every segmented episode, and that is, how am I feeling and what's new? So as you guys know, I have actually just graduated with my psychology bachelor's of arts from UNLV literally just this past week, and it feels so amazing to finally be able to, you know, I guess have that big weight off my shoulder of you know needing to fulfill that first degree and I I mean not in the sense of needing to but wanting to and actually needing to to be able to practice what I want to do but um you know it's it's a very big weight lifted off my shoulder but now given that I am now you know in this uh I guess I wouldn't say like middle ground or like a purgatory thing but it's like a definitely like a waiting waiting section or waiting game right now at least until I get into this idea of okay am I getting accepted into my doctoral program that I applied to you know so um it's a different kind of stress now but um essentially I've been feeling very happy that 
uh, you know, I accomplished what I did uh, in the amount of time that I did because I did my bachelor's degree within just three years. It's not like unheard of, obviously. I didn't people do it, but um, I definitely thought that that was like my best option was to just really do what I can to be a sponge right now and, and soak in all the information I can for my bachelor's, but also be quickly and readily able to jump into the next step, which is to apply for and complete my doctoral program. So it's going to be a very interesting journey within the next few months. And as we continue to progress with each psych-minded episode, you guys will definitely see, you know, at least uh, my updates as to, you know, if I got accepted or if, you know, what I'm thinking when it comes to uh, all the bigger picture things in it. Um, and in the process of being able to go, com- uh, well, in person, complete my tutorial program. So there's going to be a lot that we're going to talk about as that happens. But I'm just letting you know, this is kind of the next thing that's going to be <laughs> expected, um, at least within my academic and um, professional career with psychology. Now, when it comes to my creativeness, I've been having a great um, time with that. I mean, I've actually been in the midst of filming oh I can't say that because okay basically I'm filming a project where yeah I'll say that I'm filming a project that is going to be you know out next year um and it is very very dear to me because it is a very good project of something that I've been working on for a while and um obviously it's going to take a little bit more because just getting into visuals and stuff like that so yeah it's gonna be very fun very exciting but i've started that process and it's been very rewarding for me as a creator as an artist so i'm just very happy and um i'm just super excited to see how it continues to progress because this will be like a few months maybe like a month or a month and a half um long process um because it's a lot um but um that's all i'm gonna say on that um and then as of you know having my family out recently because my family like my family that lives in florida in particular they were out here in vegas for my actual graduation and that was just awesome i was so happy to be able to have them here and to share that moment with them and the pictures are so cute and everything was just great so i mean i'm just very blessed to have them in my life and to you know be able to share a moment so deep like that with them like i mean it's not every day that you get to have both your parents with you um, at the graduation and at the graduation dinner, you know, um, of your bachelor's. Like, that's a, that's a big moment, and I'm very proud of it. So it's very, very fun. Um, but yeah, besides that, there's not much else new. Um, I mean, yeah, life is life. Like I said in my last episode, it's really just like I've taken my days as it comes. And... Um, I just, I definitely feel like I am doing what I'm supposed to and I'm doing well. So that's the biggest thing that matters. And I hope you guys are too, because I don't think you guys hear it enough, but you're appreciated and you're cared for. And um, I appreciate you, even if I don't know you, I still do, because we all have a big purpose here, you know, and we all have our own um, lives and our own real issues that we deal with. And we all got to be seen, you know, so... 
without any further ado, we're going to jump into this podcast episode's content. And by that, we're going to start with discussing a lot when it comes to short-term memory. So stay tuned. Short-term memory is a very, very interesting um I guess, in memory system, in my opinion, because it's more of a, well, it's the quickest in the sense of how, how long it lasts. Um, but it's very interesting because it's so crucial to what we understand, perceive, and decide that, you know, what has importance and what doesn't. So it's very cool. But specifically, what we want to look at when it comes to short-term memory is, you know, how much can we actually do with short-term memory? Like, what's its capacity? Um, not just that, but, like, how long does it last, right? Um, and uh, well, at least that I had just said it's pretty short. But <laughs> um, at least besides that, um, not uh, not just, you know, the how long it, the how, uh, how long does it last, but it's more of how much can we retain from it and what information is kept from it. So um, basically... There's this idea that short-term memory is very, um, I guess, forgetful. And by that, if you want, we can do like a real quick little test to show you how either bad or good your short-term working memory is, um, but more in particular, short-term memory in general. Um, So what you're going to do is if you have a piece of paper, um, what you're going to do is you're going to close your eyes, you're going to listen, and basically... I will read off just words, and essentially, once I would read them off, you're going to write down the words in order, but the order that you heard them, of course, but as many as you can remember. So if I were to start, I would be like, jacket, car, bag, plant. Fan, dog, blender, right? So then at that point, you would recall, sit there and think, right, about what it is that you're remembering. But you want to give yourself about like 15 seconds. And what you're going to do is you're going to write down as much as you can remember, but in the order that you can remember them in. Right. And so if you can do this like almost spot on and you got them almost all correct, um, then technically your short term memory is pretty efficient. But if not, um, then you may be in a little <laughs> a little bit of a trouble. Not like that, but like um, it's more of something that you got to kind of work on and kind of give yourself a little more attention to your short term memory. Um, so besides that. Um, that was a fun little thing. I just kind of want to see how y'all would do with it. Um, but besides that, we're going to talk a little bit more about the ideas that we just kind of, um, stated a little earlier about what we want to focus on with short-term memory. So short-term memory is a very short process. Like I had said, short-term memory is really, it really only lasts from about the initial second that you fixate on something 
for about 20 to 30 seconds after you've, you know, uh, encoded or, or perceived that specific stimuli or event or whatever it was. So for instance, um, you know, I can be driving and I will see a car pass me and maybe I'll think about that car for a second or that color of the car for a second. Um, and then, you know, it'll be in my mind for maybe 10, 15 seconds. And then all of a sudden it just starts to dissipate because it's not important enough to need to remember. So it kind of just fades out, you know, but that's the idea of how long it can last. And it's very, very interesting to know that how it is the shortest um, retention rate with uh, memory systems. Now, when it comes to the capacities, um, if you think about it, you know, given that it is the shortest, you know, rate at which you are able to um, use it, I think that in reality, there's a lot to gain from short-term memory and the ability to use short-term memory. So um, I think that one, it helps us understand, okay, what are we perceiving in this very moment? And not just that, what's as important to us or the importance to us? Um, And not just that, um, there are things like um, being able to understand um, the connection between items, right? And that can be established within the first 15 to 30 seconds. And that's typically what happens in short-term memory as well. Um, The capacity-wise, or the capacity amount is not nearly as much, though, as what you would see in working memory or or long-term memory. Um, But long-term memory is more of like a process. But um, we'll get into that as we progress into the episode. Now, with working memory, working memory is essentially the ability, well, the cognitive system, the memory system that has, again, limited capacity, limited storage that can essentially hold, encode, process, and um, not technically recall at that very moment, but yeah, process uh, information temporarily. Um, So stimuli, whatever it is that you're trying to perceive. Um, So working memory is also very important when it comes to this concept of being able to reason and to have uh, well good good behaviors and not just that but good decision making habits um, or not just that <laughs> being able to associate with uh, what's going on right at that very moment with uh, past knowledge um, it's a very very powerful um, memory system Um, Now, in regards to what is the most important thing to look at when um, deciding, you know, uh, okay, what it is that is the most uh, important area to study with working memory, and that would essentially be the uh, most popular model of working memory that is used currently, and also the relationship that it has in the idea of, um, you know, relating it to cognition. So, uh, there is such a thing called the Badley's Working Model. This technically gives us an idea of how um, working memory um, essentially facilitates. Um, It's kind of broken down into various particular pieces. We have the central executive, which you can essentially look at this as like the hub, right? The um, The main piece to this model. Then we have the visual spatial sketchpad, right? As well as the episodic buffer and the phonological loop. 
right? But besides that, you also have a tie to episodic and semantic memory because those are both working um, at the various time, at the same time, sorry, as uh, working memory is as well. Because we have to understand and uh, uh, you know process and encode things to be able to perceive what's happening and what is useful at that moment to then select which information is of value to you know send through to long-term memory. Now, remember how I said that the central executive was essentially like this hub to this idea of working memory? Well, also think about this idea that the central executive is essentially like the um, intentional control system of um, the working memory model. So um, in, in the sense, it's going to be processing the majority of what's happening and what's being sent to it. Um, so that also brings into play our visual spatial sketchpad and the phonological loop. So you can think about the visual ske- spatial sketchpad. <laughs> so basically, you can think about the visual sketch. Oh my gosh! So basically, you can think about the visual spatial sketchpad as somewhat like an etch a sketch, but like of perception and of what it is we're seeing and um, able to, you know, in, uh, involve ourselves with or you know encompass ourselves in or surround ourselves with. Um, and the phonological loop is essentially like the processing of auditory stimuli, right? Anything that is heard and perceived through the ears is sent directly to the um, central executive. Um, so, um, but the phonological loop is what processes it. I just want to reiterate that. Um, so it's a very complex cognitive system. There is a lot going on with this model, but the model essentially breaks down how each particular stimuli is perceived and how it is then um, encoded into you know, working memory to understand what's happening. And then from there, um, you're able to make those inferences and, and, and you know, be able to understand what it is that is happening. Um, or what the event is that is happening. So yeah, anyway, besides that, um, the only other thing that is quite interesting to look at is this connection to um, essentially the cognition, right? Um, of how working memory helps us think or how it essentially helps us complete tasks. Um, and really, the better that we can perceive and um, the quicker we can encode and, and process a particular event or idea or whatever it is that's being presented to us, um, our working memory is better when it is more efficient, of course, but it's also that, um, it can also help us work on complex tasks, um, a little bit better than what we had thought, but how much information working memory can hold, you would have to look at the particular, you know, play on play, um, I guess, relationship between the central executive and um, the short-term stores. So short-term stores is just another word for um, basically an archive of short-term memories that are going to be able to, um, you know, essentially move forward into the phonological loop, um, or not, sorry, the central executive, and then the uh, stimuli that is perceived from the phonological loop and the visual spatial sketch pattern then also sent to the central, central, the central executive to um, then be all um, interplayed together so that they can basically 
help you recall or process the information. Um, especially because if it's holding memory, it's able to recall at that point, um, but to an extent. To reiterate though, the most important aspect of the working memory model would have to be the intentional inclusion of the control system that is the central executive because if it was not for that piece then there would be no real way to determine what it is that is being understood you know what i'm saying so um there's that and then not just that but we have to keep in mind that working memory capacities do vary across people there are people who have large working memory capacities and those who have lower working memory capacities so um for someone who does have high or um you know larger working memory capacity we would call that like a high span or a low span low span is the lower working memory capacity most of us though we fall in between the high and low span um, but the idea is that the better a person's span is, the better they're going to perform on all of the other cognitive tasks. Now, the real main difference between a person with high span and a person with low span capacity for working memory is that um, it doesn't really have to do with short term, uh, or no, sorry, with working memory. It has more to do with the central executive. So the better the central executive functioning is, the better the working memory span is. So um, essentially, the central executive is that control system. So in the sense, if people are, are better able to um, have you know, higher functioning of that central executive, then they'll be able to do well or perform better in this sense of um, working memory. For the final portion, we're going to be jumping into long-term memory. Now, essentially, long-term memory is the point in the memory model where the information is essentially held indefinitely. Um, I believe that there are ways in which memories can somehow be forgotten, though, as long-term memory is, you know, I guess more of like um, a periodic, a time of period, or a period of time related kind of um, thinking or memory in a sense, because you can think about it like this, long-term memory, you know, you can remember a lot of stuff from your childhood as an adult, but maybe in your early adolescence you're not going to remember as much when you're a suit like say like 60 70 or 80 you know what i'm saying so um your long-term memory is a little more reliant on the time of which you're accessing that long-term memory um but it is defined really by the contrast of the short-term and long-term or sorry short-term and working memory um and it essentially it has to persist for you know a particular amount of time um, in order to be consolidated as a long-term memory. Now going back to this idea of kind of like a umbrella, we're going to use the term long-term memory as an umbrella term and underneath it you would be divided into two categories of that of explicit and implicit memory um, and that would be that explicit is declarative so you would speak on it like that of episodic and semantic memory and then implicit would be that of non-declarative memory systems like that of procedural or emotional conditioning like that of operant and classical conditioning um, so there is a difference in you know the particular type of long-term memory 
but essentially the more um well actually they're both kind of evenly played but i think what happens is we end up remembering more of the episodic and semantic memory portions of long-term memory because they are more detailed to us and they make more sense to -to day-to-day experiences versus say um operating classical conditioning even though it's something innate to us at some point or that can be brought to us to you know i guess strengthen our conditioning but it's more of like you do remember more memories of that of like day-to-day life or say something that's very important to you that was important to you through episodic memory so um very interesting there um now when it comes to particularly the type besides the implicit explicit semantic and episodic you can divide semantic a little bit further into generic and specific um, categories that being that generic basically classifies that of facts ideas and meanings and concepts um, as you know solidified and kept in long-term memory while specific um the specific category itself would be like specific instances of generic concepts like that of your mother or your father or a car or a house or knowing that um, people live in a house like that kind of idea um so there's a lot that gets stored but the majority of it is based off of experienced events and that of knowledge um you know pre-learned knowledge or prior knowledge i mean and to tie everything together with the short-term working memory and long-term memory they all do play a bit into each other and um essentially i can think about it as like um a scale you have short-term memory on one end working memory in the middle and long-term memory on the other end and it's like you start at go which would be the um short-term memory and from there your past your the idea is passed through that kind of like um i guess row or um spectrum i guess because it would be it would go in one way really with short-term memory being the initial processing of information and deciding if it's of importance to encode or to send further to working memory but working memory is also of what is happening at that current moment and what's being processed then you get sent um your working memory thoughts to long-term memory depending on the importance and the value there um a lot of times you see that um most memories that are sent to long-term memory for episodic are those that are emotionally um you know um powerful to us or something that we're emotionally connected to or that is that has a lot of moral or um personal values associated to um so it's very fascinating on that part um now in the sense of um the other particular Um, like episodic and semantic memory systems being parts of um, long-term and working memory systems. I believe that they are both very essential, that of episodic and semantic, to work together to create both working memory and that of long-term memory. So without episodic and semantic memory and those particular two systems, we really wouldn't have much of short-term or sorry, that uh, that much of working memory or long-term memory. Um, short-term memory so happens to understand a bit of 
the episodic and semantic portions, but it's not, I feel like, as detailed of um, an experience with episodic and semantic um, processing and understanding that that is what it is as it, as it would be in that of working memory and um, long-term memory consolidation. Um, so without any further ado, I want to conclude today's episode by saying thank you for those who have stayed to the very end and took in all the information. I know it's a lot and really sometimes it's hard to visualize when you don't have a visual to go off of so I hope I was able to explain that well enough for you if you you know find that you're having a little issue understanding it entirely please leave a comment below let me know what your question is and I would love to answer it in the next psych-minded episode um and again um there is more to these particular memory systems that they are trying to study but this is what we know so far and that of what is important um, to you know understand about memory and particularly short-term working and long-term memory so i hope you guys enjoyed and remember you guys are appreciated and thank you so much please stay tuned for the next episode of psych minded i'll see you guys all later bye